Welcome back to Ralph Pinson's podcast, where ancient wisdom meets modern man. Today's episode is the 17th in our Q&A series. Okay, Ralph, here yeah. we have another question. Do we believe in hell? And uh, if so, what is, he- what is hell and what is heaven? Again, this is a uh, very large topic. I suggest yeah. that you read that book, Jewish Wisdom, Jewish, the Jewish, Jewish book, book of Life After Life. Jewish Book of Life After Life. But yes, Gehenna is exists. In fact, the word hell in the Torah, and uh, there's many different words in Tanakh, in the, in, in actually in the Torah and, and the writings, there's many different words for Be'er Shachas and Shaul. Classically, the word is Gehenna, Gehenim. Gehenim is the Valley of Hinnom, which is literally a space, a place in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim, where there was some type of idol worship, and then it became a garbage dump. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, that's, that's, that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor. So the... One way of understanding this process, let's, let's first understand one thing, that... Um, when we talk about Gehenna, we talk about this process of an afterlife process, of life, a cleansing process. There's no eternal condemnation. There's no, you're, you're stuck in this situation for eternity. That doesn't, that doesn't exist. There's no such thing. There's, there's, um, there is processes of Gehenna, and the process of, of Gehenna is that... Um, the process of Gehenna is that um, it's in an image of the Emek HaMelech, one of the classic Kabbalists, is that it's like an idea of a sponge, which means that it soaks away, it soaks up all the negativity that we experience throughout this world, throughout this life. And then, um, but the intention is that eventually, that, that eventually, the, the, the eventually that we get out of, we get out of that place, and then uh, we move to a place of Gan Eden, to paradise. The Averuach Tashel Lekimash Anasana, that the soul returns to its root. The idea of the soul returning to the root will be eventually the soul will get back to its place. And it's just a, it's a process, a process to get there. The longest process would be 12 months. That's the longest staying in Gehenim. Mishnah in Gehenim is 12 months, the Mishnah says, and Idias. But it's not internal. There's nothing. There's nothing nitzchi. Can't be. It's not everlasting because negativity is not nitzchi. It's not. It's not eternal. Only pos- Only positivity. Only kedusha is nitzchi. Is is eternal. So in in one image of the zayar, is that which you mentioned before. One image of the zayar is that a person after 120 sees the light of the shchinah, the Hashem's presence, the light of the presence, and if a person is zacha persons refined they go out and they, they expire in the light of the presence and that's considered a, a positive experience and that same experience this is why it says that the, the Yalkut says that one of the Madrashim said the difference between Ganeid and Gehenna paradise and hell is, is the difference it's a chutasaira it's like a thin one thin little hair breath because it, it, it's almost like the same experience could be positive and elating and joyful to one of this ecstasy of letting go 
versus another person that can be very traumatic and it can be and it can be very something that it seems that, that it's great darkness and, and the image of the Zohar is that the Shekhinah's presence leaves and the soul is left in a state of darkness of Choshech of darkness which is another image that the Medrash our sages say that's, that's the image of Gehenim that it's the absence of life uh, absence of light that it appears to be that you're stuck in darkness so I would just say like very very loosely um to understand a little bit the process, because again, the process is not eternal. It's 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 a time state, even though time doesn't really exist in an afterlife. But in our conception, the way we understand it, it would have a certain time restraint. It's only a one year process, which means it goes through all the seasons. That's really what the, what what the what the what it really means. It means that the soul has to go through different processes, through the seasonal processes, in order to refine itself. So all different types of stages. And um, and I, the, the essential idea is that that the the difference between between um, something positive or negative or a mitzvah and an avera, a, a good deed versus a sin, is really an attachment to 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 ego versus a sense of transcendence. I mean, this is very loosely, but it's at the depth of this idea is very clean. That that negativity. Is always about the self. Um, a person becomes angry. A person hurts someone. God forbid, or even men, men adam It's always about my ego, myself, um, versus kedusha. The idea of of, of 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 holiness is to transcend the the, the ego or to make the ego transparent to live a larger existence. So, when a person passes on, and when we say the person passes on, it means the, the entirety of the person still survives, the entire memory of the person, everything of the person remains. There are stages for the soul to shed these uh, negativities that it accumulated throughout its journey of 100, 120 years throughout life, for allow for the soul to purify itself in order to return back to its, 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 to, to its pristine state. So I'm going to give you a few examples of this in sequence, but it doesn't necessarily mean that every single soul goes through these sequences. But for example, the, the, like a, the, a very light form of this type of refinement process is called the world of imagination, which means a person, let's say, lives you know, 120 years and they're um, a shoemaker, okay? And they, they work till the end of their life. Every day they get up in the morning, with a regiment, they went every single day, and they they went to the shoe store. Comes 120, they pass on. Let's say a person passes on in his sleep, passes on. What happens the next day? I'm not, I'm not talking about literally day, but what happens in the next in the next process? The consciousness of the person, which means the entirety of the person, is so attached to its narrative of being a shoemaker that it still lives in the illusion that it's still alive, that the soul, the soul still lives in the illusion that it's still alive and does exactly what it did the day before. So if the day before it went to, to the shoe store or bought the newspaper, whatever it did the day before in its very trivial mundane life, the soul, obviously not in a literal sense, but the soul lives in this world that's called the world of imagination or the world of chaos, of confusion, the stole in a state of confusion, and it goes ahead doing the same things that it did always. And this is part of 
the process of unlearning its attachment. It's because it's it's so attached, it doesn't even know that it's even possible that it's not attached. So it thinks it's attached. And one day it's going to wake up and have some type of awareness by sort of interacting with people for a certain period of time and not getting a response from anybody, it's going to finally realize that it's no longer alive. And that's the first stage where it can extricate itself out of this physical world, out of the attachments of the physical world. There's a, there's a story about a Siddhisha Rebbe that there was once an old, an old man once came to him. He was sitting with his son. It's a very mystical story, but he was sitting with his son and the, uh, this old man came in and started complaining that his granddaughters need shidduchim, need, need, need someone to marry, and they're, they're the older girls and need someone to marry. And the Rebbe gave this man a blessing and said, but why are you worried about these things? He said, what do you mean? What, is that my grandchildren? I have to take care of them? He said, yeah, but you're no longer alive. What do you have? and uh, sort of like he was woken up from this stupor and uh, he recognized that he was no longer alive and I don't know he disappeared whatever that means and the, uh, his son was sitting there his son was sitting there and said Ta, uh, what, what just happened he said this, is, this soul was a confused soul soul exists in the world of imagination and didn't recognize that it, uh, that it passed on so this, the son had a fright and said, and, and how do I know I'm alive? He says, because you just asked a question. Because if you ask a question, whether you're alive, that's already, if you're questioning your existence. If you don't question your existence, <coughs> you, could, you could be living and really you're not alive. That's really a metaphor also on a very deep level, like if you question your existence. So that, that's, that's the first stage, a, for, a possible first stage. Another possible second stage of this process, just go through the stages, these are things that are not so familiar, so it's worth maybe just discuss them a little bit. These are called from all the, all the deeper teachings of Nari and teachings of Kabbalah and Zayar. The next stage is something that's called a dibuk. Uh, a dibuk is like an attachment. The word dibuk is kind of a, a popular popular, but it's it's not really the original word. It's uh, it's only about a few hundred years old used that, that word. The Sefer Bris is not it's not an older word. Originally, it was called a ruach ra. Um, and what that means is that when the soul recognizes that it is no longer in a body, but its existence, it only knows its existence in attachments to bodies, what it wants to do is attach itself to a body. Because if it feels like it, if my whole existence is, is in this physical world, I eat, I sleep, I drink, whatever I do in this physical world, now I'm not doing that any longer, and I recognize that I'm no longer alive, Okay, that's that's one type of recognition. So now my next best thing is let me find another body and attach myself to that body and live through that body. That comes like that's like what people call uh, being possessed, being possessed by another soul, which is a, a naked soul. Those are the calls the souls are naked souls, which means they don't have any garments, they don't have any mitzvahs, they don't have any positive things to hold on to, and therefore they attach themselves to a person that's also someone like this. I mean, it's very unusual. Most times this, they need a. It's not real. It's not a real thing, but it's very highly unusual. But it's possibility. It's a possibility for the soul to attach itself. And this is called a form of dibuk, a form of attachment. And then eventually, the soul also um, recognizes, or is forced out, or whatever the process is, to recognize that it shouldn't be in this body, and then it lets go. So these are like two stages that could happen: either world of imagination, or or dibuk, or attachment to something else. Um, and then comes a process and a lot of times people don't go through the first two processes 
it goes straight to something that's called chibut akever. Chibut akever means the pounding of the grave. This is also met, met, mentioned in uh, by our sages in Chazal and Medrash. What is this idea? The idea is that the Gemara says, our sages tell us that uh, that worms are very painful for the body. Now, what does that mean? Once consciousness realizes, once your soul realizes that you're no longer attached to the body, or you're no longer embodied, but it's still connected to its body, then it becomes very strongly aware of its body. And as the body is decomposing, depending on your attachment to the body will be the pain that you're going to experience. Um, it's not a literal pain, but it's more like phantom pain. Phantom pain is, for example, let's say a person has, uh, God forbid, uh, an accident and they lose a limb, they lose, their, let's say, their, their, their left hand, God forbid, God forbid. When a person would put a needle to, in the location where the left hand would feel, be, the person will experience pain because there's an association at, at that place that's connected to pain. And this is, uh, Sadhya Gon talks about this in terms of, uh, as a metaphor, in terms of a person watching a home that they lived in for many years go up in flames. Now, if the home is your life, and I'm not saying it shouldn't be, but it's, you're very attached to the house, you're very connected to the house, you have very fond memories and experiences in the house, then of course when you see the, the house going up in flames, it's very, very painful. It's, it's almost a, a visceral physical pain that you're experiencing, even though it's not literal. But if it's a home that you say, you know, it did me a great service, I used the home for a certain period of time, but now I can only move to my next home if... I need to burn down this home to build up a bigger home. And if we can use this metaphor, then it's sort of, there's a sense of pain maybe of letting go of the old, but you know that something much more wonderful is coming and there's a tremendous amount of joy. This would be why, why according to the sages, Sadiqim don't experience the pain of Chibadak ever is a person that lives a very elevated life, someone that lives a very non-attached life, and, not, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be attached to the physical world. You should be attached to the physical world. But it shouldn't be attached in a, in a, in a way of, of, of a neurosis, in, in a way of, of, with anxiety. It should be attached because that's the intention. That's how Hashem wants us to be in the body. But the moment we know that the, the intention is, is to let go of the body, we can let go. It's like it's, you're attached to like your, whatever you have in your life. You're attached to it when you're, when you're supposed to attach. And when Hashem says it no longer belongs to you, you let go of it. Right? That's a healthy way of, of looking at even an object in your life. You know, I love the thing that I have because Hashem gave it to me and this is what my tikkun is part of this thing and, and if it's stolen from me, that was Hashem's plan that this thing should be let go of me and now it's, now it's toxic. I, shouldn't, I should let go of it. So that is a, a, a refinement that happens in Chibat HaKever. Again, it's, it's processes of letting go. A more refined process and some people don't have to go through any of the three first processes that we spoke about is called Kafa Kela. And Kafa Kela means where a person is, moves in and out of different states of consciousness which is that you already start understanding what your real purpose was to be in this world. Not only the things that you messed up in this, in this world, but really your potential that you could have achieved in this world, the din and the chajmin, the two things, the accounting and, and, and the judgment. That on one hand, you look at your life the way you lived, and on the other hand, you look at the life the way you could have lived. Hopefully, there's no, there's no dichotomy. Hopefully, there's, there's no kafakela. There's no, you're not swinging back and forth of consciousness, but it's the same thing. 
But if a person did have this type of dichotomy where they finally realize, like, I really wasted so much of my time. I, if I really, really used my time well in this world, I could have done this, I could have done that. I'm talking about spiritually, really. Um, then uh, that's another form of, of pain, of, of type of psychological, spiritual pain, and the letting of letting go. And finally, there's the classic definitions of Gehenim, of, which is translated as hell. One is Gehenim Shalshalik, one is Gehenim of ice, and Gehenim Shalesh, and Gehenim of fire. Now, obviously, very clearly, this is not literal. There's no little you know, angels poking your feet with you know, hot coals. This is a, this is a metaphor, and the meta, the the muscle, the nimshu, the, the muscle of this, this metaphor of this idea is that remember the end game of everything is we have all these experiences, we have to let go of them in order to move for us to expunge these negative experiences, so our soul, our consciousness, our self, selfhood can experience unity with Hashem, return back to its source, into a positive state. We have to let go of all these negative things. Now, granted, we can do this through tshuva, of course. We can do this in life. We don't have to wait for the afterlife process, of course. That's the whole intention, is that we can let through, we can let through these processes. But if we don't, and a person passes on, so the process of letting go is to recall to memory these experiences. And there are two forms of embarrassment, so to speak. One is... Um, one is like a an intellectual embarrassment, we'll say. More like, it's more, an intellectual embarrassment is not when you turn red. It's not like when you, let's say a kid turns very embarrassed. They do something and then they, like it's, it's an emotional embarrassment. They, they did something and they know they did something wrong and they, they're, they're caught. But then that's like, that's like the, that's the, that's the Gehenim of Aish. That's the, that's the, that's the hell of fire, which is, I, I was so passionately involved in this, this thing. I'm, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Okay, and that's the, the 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 awareness of the embarrassment is the is the is in itself the way that we let go of it. That's one form of embarrassment. But then there's like more an intellectual embarrassment. Like when I think about this, like it's really it didn't really make any sense for me to do this. That's more like a cold, detached form of observation and embarrassment. And these two forms of self embarrassment. Is the process the way we let go of, the, of, of these negative uh, negative things? And again, so this is the general structure, overall structure of what hell is essentially, um, what all these experiences are. Ultimately, they're experiences that allow us to drop these negative things that we experience in life, that we perpetuate in life, really, to get to a place that we become cleansed and we become refined and zacha. We become transparent and, and refined, and then we could return back into 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 our source into our original the place that our, our souls come from and that's the refinement so ultimately it's to get to the place of Gan Eden Gan Eden is just to, to get to the place of Gan Eden so this really flips the the general understanding and connotations of hell at least in, a, in English with English connotations in which way? well I, th I think may, maybe it's that um this type of terminology is used in Christian text yeah. mostly, and so we're receiving it in English through that Correct. lens. Correct. And so kind of it, inherently, I think people, when they think of hell, they think of well, they eternal think, damnation, they think and of, you're sentenced uh, one way or another, and it's seemingly permanent. And Correct. They, they this think this of is it in, so healthy, and if anything, this explanation, it shows 
um, Hashem's mercy. For sure. Yeah, there's, Absolutely. Hashem will never leave you dirty. He'll always clean you up and La bring la you la back. Of course. I mean, what is Hashem? So Hashem is... is, right. is <laughs> what is Hashem? Right. Hashem is not a grand punisher. Right. Um, there is no internal condemnation. And it's only a process of refinement. And we and and the main thing of this whole conversation is, which is like most important, is in terms of right now. Like I say, okay, I messed up. I did this. I did this other thing. Okay, any moment you can do tshuva. You can you can return. You can you can change your ways, and everything in your past can be transformed into merits. And there is there will be no need for any of these experiences that we talked about. You go straight from stay from in Um but definitely this. Um, People are generally think very literal, and especially when it's depicted in art, like it's like a yes. like some type of image of you know some Bosch painting where you know this uh, or Dante Inferno, some type of horrifying you know imagery. But Hashem is the nature of Hashem is is good is to give goodness is to bring us back to the place of goodness to bring us back to the wholeness. We mess up, and it's part of our process. I mean, and if we mess up, and during life we have to make sure, or we should make sure that during life we could go through all these processes. That's why you know part of tshuva, part of real tshuva, is regret and all this type of things that to expunge these things from memory, and even experiencing busha, like some type of shame, internal shame of like, I can't believe I did that. That's like it's unbecoming of me, and that that that's a cleansing process. It's painful, but it's cleansing, and then you're freed, and you're free. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ralph Pinson's podcast. To submit questions or to sponsor a future episode, please email ralphpinsonpodcast at gmail.com. The link is in the description below. To learn more about this subject, please see the Ralph's book, The Jewish Book of Life After Life.